Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media. What's up, what's up, what's up? Big 10 plus four coming at you for yet another edition this week. If you're new to the program, this is your first time. Uh, we'd like to think of ourselves as bringing a Midwest perspective to college sports. Blue collar and blue blood. I'm Dalton Shetler. That's Sam Sprunger. Sam, how we doing? Two things. If, you ha- if you're new to the show, shame on you. <laughs> it's true. Should be on from the, from the get-go, but we'll excuse it. At least you're on the boat. <laughs> and uh second um i was doing some chair dancing to this morning and it wasn't just to the theme or to the intro music it's it, it was a fabulous night last night i was gonna say was it to the purdue fight song is that that's right was that the the alarm clock for you that went <laughs> off this morning yes how'd you know <laughs> oh i can't reveal all my secrets <laughs> oh goodness i better <laughs> better not walk around certain uh, attire then huh that's right. But go ahead. I, I mean, Purdue and Illinois battle for first place in the Big Ten there in West Lafayette. Purdue absolutely takes apart Illinois, as we've seen so many teams go into what I call the Black Abyss there at Mackey Arena and just kind of crumble a little bit. And it happened yet again. Go ahead. Celebrate it. Yeah, well, I what what I loved was, you know, first off, Illinois was out of the gate right away and seven point lead and then it was it looked like it was going to be back and forth most of the game because Purdue then went up seven then Illinois came back and took a two-point lead at the half and I'm like oh this is going to be rough and then Jaden Ivey hit and I don't know what uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later but the dominance he showed in that second half um these were in my mind the two top teams and Purdue absolutely dismantled them in about an eight minute portion of that second half and made it no contest at the end. Well, and, and I do agree. I think these are the two most talented teams in the big 10. And I think what you're seeing here, Sam is Illinois is talented enough where the ceiling, I believe is the final four for the Illini. I think they're that good. They're Mm -hmm. that talented Purdue ceiling. If they could shore up some issues, is a national championship like that's the that's the talent Purdue has and that's kind of the difference you saw on display here look Purdue when you look at the metrics grades out as one of the best offensive teams in college basketball in the country for the past decade plus Mm -hmm. like what Purdue does on a nightly basis on that end of the floor is so astonishing and incredible not many other teams can really keep up with the firepower that it all brings Honestly, for Purdue, if if they just buy in on defense, <laughs> you all of a sudden have a national championship contender. And I thought they guarded the Illini decently last night. Yeah, and and like you said, for the last ten years, you know, you can basically rely on Purdue putting up plenty of points. And if there's ever a shortcoming, it's going to be because of their defense. And and you're right, they played they played pretty well last night on defense. And you know, I, I'm not I don't have a stat line and I'm not sure what Coburn did, but they he didn't seem like he was doing much. And it was the Purdue big men that were disrupting it. 
Well, and that's why I think Kofi ends up being the Big Ten player of the year when this is all said and done because he still had 18.7 rebounds, went seven for 12 from the field. Four the for most five quiet 18 points you've ever seen. But that's what Kofi does. I mean, he's he's just an absolute animal inside. He's second in the Big Ten for points per game, first in the Big Ten for rebounds a game. I mean, he is he is certainly a monster. But, yeah, you, you take a look at that game for Purdue, and you're right. Jaden Ivey exploded on the scene. And we could talk a little bit about Ivy here because this is somebody, if you haven't had a chance to watch Jaden Ivey yet, you need to make sure you do so. Illinois coach Brad Underwood uh, likened him to the college version of Ja Morant, which I thought was an interesting comparison. Including the hair. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, Ivy drops 26 points in the win against Illinois, ends up with six assists, four rebounds. And look, when, when you watch Jaden Ivy, obviously he's just athletic as all get out. He can jump out of the building. He can, he can create shots. He can make shots. He's, he's just special. This is somebody who right now is probably a top five NBA pick and is probably fringe top three. Like that's what we're seeing here. Yeah. And, and, um, at right near the half or right after the half, um, the ESPN announcer said something about, you know, Ivy's had a quiet first half up to this point, and he only had two or four points. And I that was the point where I sat there and thought, if this is going to be a, a, a Purdue win, he's going to have to have a big second half. And it literally, uh, you know, Hunter scored nine early early in the in the second half to to really kick it off and then it was like it was almost like a trick shot horse on some of those moves that that ivy made on some of those plays at the hoop i I don't it's amazing to me like uh, you know and and i've never had this style or dynamic of a a player on my favorite team you know and Mm. and it, it it almost seems like I'm always like, well, yeah, but Jaden Ivey. Yeah, but Jaden Ivey. I personally think, and this is as much of, I like to think, not a homer thing. I think his last six games, he's put himself into the a strong running for player of the year in the Big Ten. You're, you're not wrong. The only counter or caveat you play in there is Purdue's team is so loaded that actually will drag him down in this conversation, which may not be right, but Mm -hmm. that is kind of the nature of what it is. But here's the thing, you know, if he doesn't blow up for what, 22 in the second half, they, it's a lot closer. And do they win in this game? Yes. I understand they're loaded They're They're absolutely loaded and that opens up opportunities for him. But when others are struggling, who do they go to? And, and I have no arguments of that. I mean, I think Ivy's absolutely special. And honestly, you talk about Purdue being loaded. If I were to start a basketball team from scratch, just the way that like I see the game of basketball, I love a lot of four round one in, in basketball. I love mm-hmm. you get a yeah. you get a legit post presence. You surround him with shooters. You play off of it. That's what Matt Painter essentially has done. He's like, let me make Dalton's fantasy team. And I'm sure that's what he had in mind while he was well, recruiting he, all these guys. He's on, he's in your Rolodex, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> just boom. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, you, you throw in Zach Eady in there, which obviously is a handful. You throw Travion Williams in there at times, and then you surround it with an athletic freak of Jaden Ivey. You surround it with a sharpshooter and Sasha Stefanovic, Eric Hunter Jr., who's really come to accept his role. This is somebody who came in as one of the top 10 scores all time in Indiana high school basketball history, yeah. and he's taking a role here in West Lafayette. 
Um, and then one of my favorite role players that you have in Purdue, Mason Gillis, who's just a dog. Without oh Mason gosh. Gillis, this team is missing a pretty big chunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he hit a couple of big shots when when Purdue was kind of struggling trying to get back in. It was in the middle of their 14-0 run, and he hit a shot that, you know, the, the announcers absolutely lost it, and it just showed that he was – he's being that perfect – role player and you know i think you heard my air quotes there because it's not really a role he's got a specific like set of talents that he can hit big shots Mm -hmm. well and and to me it goes way past just the shot making i mean last night he did go two for four from three point range or i should say tuesday night when they beat illinois but he also led purdue with nine rebounds Mm -hmm. like you have a seven foot four guy and you have Travion Williams and they're not getting as many rebounds as this guy, just because he's just a <laughs> flat out dude. Like that should tell you enough how good this guy is, how much heart he plays with. He's pretty special. So Sam, I only got to see the second half of this game. Cause actually for the first half You're and busy. before then, that's right. I was located in East Lansing, taking in Wisconsin and Michigan state. Wisconsin gets a win against Michigan State 70 to 62 and now you have a three-way tie for first place between Illinois, Purdue and Wisconsin at the top of the Big 10 standings. But in this one, uh you just saw a Michigan State team that for the second straight game never got the lead in in the game and as it tried to kind of claw back just could not quite get over the hump. Yeah, and you almost wonder if they've hit a wall at this point that maybe you know they didn't quite have what it takes and i'm not saying that they're out by any means but um they've got a hard hard uh track to the end of the season um and and you were talking to me about their schedule yet though they have to pretty much win out with little room for any losses and it, it almost looks like that they had it you could see what the talent is up to this point but they're just kind of hitting a wall and and this is where it's important to remember a lot of context here too right heading into the season michigan state was kind of projected to be the fifth best team in the big 10 like that's that's what the the evaluation was before the season and now you're starting to see maybe michigan state settling in there i think michigan state has more room to be even higher than that right mm-hmm. now it's it's kind of gut check time for michigan state because the, the last loss uh, two games ago to Rutgers, that one you didn't come away necessarily depressed about. Rutgers shot 62% from the floor, was absolutely draining shots. So video were... game stats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and Rutgers is graded out now by the metrics as the most inconsistent team in college basketball. You don't really know what you're going to get on a, <laughs> a night-to-night basis. That's an actual stat, by the way. Um, so Some like, of these it, stats. Yeah, I know. You actually felt like you went into a buzzsaw there with Rutgers. You didn't feel bad about the one. This Wisconsin one is different. At times, you felt like, well, and head coach Tom Izzo used the word punked. Punked from the jump. Like, that's how he felt about this game and this loss for Michigan State. And and for the Spartans, there there are a few different issues to figure out right now. And I, I, I believe it's gut check time for them. We talked about offense. The half-court offense is very, very stagnant at the moment for the Spartans. And, you know, there's certain things championship teams do that Michigan State's not doing right now, like meeting passes, 
you coming yes. to the ball, things like that. Like the, those are things that championship teams do. And, and the groups that have won titles in East Lansing, that you do those small things. That's not happening right now. And then like uh, Marcus Bingham Jr. had 15 points in that game uh, against Wisconsin in the loss. When five of nine, five for five from the free throw line, that's a solid game. Mm-hmm. The, the only problem I would say is with Bingham, he's never catching the ball on the block. He's always being pushed out to the short corner where he then pivots, faces up to the basket and goes to work from there. That's fine. That's in his skill set. That's, that's, that's totally fine. The only issue is Michigan State doesn't really have anybody else they could put on the block and score, and they need a post presence. Uh, they've got to find a way to get inside. As right now, it's, it's not happening, and boy, it leaves a lot of room for error for the rest of the half-court offense, kind of like we've been seeing. Well, and, and it's one of those that uh... – uh, you know, we've talked on and off, you know, about this. And it's, it's one of those that you, you mentioned that you can still see Michigan state doing something, maybe not in the, in the conference, but they can still turn around. There's still plenty of time. I mean, we're at the beginning of February, so there's still plenty of time, but it just makes you worry that maybe, maybe this year it's, it's just not going to happen. And really when we keep saying gut check time, it, we're, we're going to find out soon because leadership from the players will need to start stepping in. If this team is going to be something in a month and try and make a run in March. And that's kind of just as black and white as it gets. I mean, they get, they got a month to see if they can go from an okay, good team to a great team and be a serious contender for, for a run in, in March madness, but time will tell on that front. Well, I'm hoping that they, you know, kick it around. If uh, if Purdue's going to win the Big Ten, but I have to share with somebody and better be, you know, not Wisconsin and Michigan State instead, because then I win. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You had a uh, Michigan <laughs> State by our draw name out of the hat pool, and I had Wisconsin. So I guess in that sense, I, Wisconsin wins and yay, I'm <laughs> in a better spot. Well, it's one of those, like I said, you know, I'll, I'll root for Michigan State as long as it doesn't hurt Purdue's chances. 2019 was the dream season for you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> Purdue and Michigan State shared the Big Ten regular That's right. season. Both teams make it to at least the Elite Eight. Yeah. Yeah, Purdue should have been in the Final Four that year. I, honestly, that will still go down as one of the most – I, I would argue with you because I've tried to ponder this before. And if anybody listening out there has an idea of, of maybe what could be better, go ahead, send it at us at big 10 plus four on Twitter. Um, I think that run those final three games by Virginia in that 19 season mm-hmm. has to be the best close to a tournament stretch I've ever seen. You have the elite eight game where they throw a three quarter court pass and get a shot off somehow with under a second to knock off Purdue, or to send it to overtime against Purdue yes. and beat Purdue. And yes. then you have in the final four, Kyle guy getting fouled in the corner by Auburn goes to the free throw line and hits shots to win it mm-hmm. at the end of regulation. And then in the championship game, they were down two to Texas tech hit a short corner jumper to put it into overtime and then ended up winning it there. Yeah. I don't think you can find a better closeout to attorney run than that. No, but, but I think they, that even during that final four game, wasn't there a question of whether guy stepped out of bounds at the same time, like Auburn was arguing, he stepped out of bounds and they called a foul and, uh, you know, or 
there was something oh and and there was questions of did he actually get fouled yes. like it was kind of where close. was the foul yeah so so believe it or not sam i was actually courtside for that game oh nice <laughs> sidelines were erupting at that point in time that oh, was I'm sure that was one of the more like heart dropping your chest moments for a game that I really didn't care who won that I can remember having. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, to be, to be present, because like you said, you know, I mean, to, to be courtside to three or, you know, to the, one of the best college games you've seen, you, you know, collectively, um, that's gotta be a rush. I, I haven't had that honor yet. And, and then it gets decided in that fashion. And boy, tensions were high. Tensions were high. I'm uh, sure, but, but uh, were you happy you weren't wearing? How does that work? Both of those teams have the same colors. So you can't say, you know, were you wearing the wrong colors? Because if you were wearing anything but navy and orange, you were wearing the wrong colors, technically. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a anyways, great question. Didn't anyways. even think about that. <clears throat> uh, when you're wearing green, you know. <laughs> um you talk about march madness and how great the final four is what about one of the other great sporting events that happen in america culture we'll move over to the second quarter with it the super bowl <laughs> Bengals, rams this sunday for the super bowl uh, it's it's interesting because you, i mean obviously we talk a lot of big 10 sports here and this one won't yeah. tie in as much well there's we, big 10 former big 10 players on each team right that is correct. It's which, the first year, or it's a, what was it? 33 of the last 34 Super Bowls have had a, a graduate of Purdue or somebody that, you know, attended Purdue. And this yeah. is the first year, I think. That's, that's a pretty good nugget. So, yeah. and, and by the way, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That'll be part of our fourth quarter segment for the Dalton Daily. So oh, make sure you sorry. stay with us for that. Sorry about no, that. Not at all. Oh, <laughs> trust me. We still got a lot to get into with that. So you have not okay. spoiled the thing. But Ooh, as we talk so about. So I foreshadowed. Yes. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> as we get ready for the Super Bowl, Rams, Bengals. And again, I know we don't usually dive this far, like especially into pros or anything, but it's a Super Bowl. So Sam. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, is there any Sprunger tradition or anything that happens on these days? There, there is, but uh, let, let, I have one thing to say prior to me jumping into that. Is there a worse matchup for the Super Bowl than Rams Bengals for Browns fans? Oh, that's a great <laughs> question. Because they've got the Bengals and then you have Odell Beckham Jr. on the other side. <laughs> That's I saw a meme somebody had put out on Facebook and it, it's somebody waking up from a coma and he goes, oh, who's playing in the Super Bowl? And the, the respondent <laughs> says Odell Beckham Jr. and some team from Ohio. And he's like, wow, I can't wait to watch the Browns. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Just that extra dig, you know, Uh huh. I've got a whole bunch of thoughts about, you know, the Odell Beckham thing. But, we'll jump uh, in. Um. I don't know. People, have, I've seen a lot of talk. This goes away from the Super Bowl talk a little bit, but you know, people saying that you know, well, it took him getting away from from Cleveland to to. It was obviously Mayfield and and the rest of the team, and I think that's you 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 can't judge that movement of one player and then all of a sudden his team is succeeding, and that's the team he was on previously is the reason why he was the way he was there and he signed to a team that is a 
it's a fantasy draft team basically like they they have added people and he's gonna succeed a little bit more he has the best wide receiver in the nfl on the other side of the field with him in cooper cup and so that draws some attention away so you've got some some more um opportunities and it's a jerk's a jerk and and i'm I'm not going to hide the fact that i think odell beckham jr is a jerk because it's all about him and if it's not about him he's not very happy about it so uh to to say that i'm rooting for the Bengals is uh obvious well now now hang <laughs> except on except for i do like matt stafford i really do that's what i was gonna say i mean you can't you can't hold Beckham against the entire Rams because Stafford, I can. You know why? <laughs> well, you you can because it's your opinion. You can That's do whatever right. you want. But Matt Stafford, boy, and and I live up here in Michigan for the folks who are are just joining us for the first time. And I'm by no means a Lions fan. I really just don't care. I I, I haven't gotten into uh, the Detroit Lions. But being up here and being around Lions fans, oh, I've seen your suffering. Oh my goodness. My heart hurts for you folks because it is something else. And you, you keep coming back. You sure do each year you come back and you fill out the stands. You do all these things, but Matt Stafford is somebody who poured his soul into Mm -hmm. this, the city in Detroit and never won a playoff game. Finally, he gets a chance late in his career to try and do something outside of Detroit. And instantly he's in the super bowl. And, and I think, uh, I think, in terms of the old school, right, we buy into or we love to buy in the idea of you're at one city for, and one team for your entire career. Stafford pretty much did that. And, mm-hmm. and so I think it's really cool. And in, in a lot of people who kind of believe in, uh, well, especially by NBA terms, as an illusion, mm-hmm. um, it, I think that's neat to finally kind of see pay out. Okay, so can I adjust my statement? Sure. If Odell Beckham blows up, for the game i hope the Bengals win <laughs> if enough. if it's one because you're absolutely right he has been matt matt stafford has been the scapegoat for the lions troubles for every minute that he was in detroit and it little of it was his fault the man threw for over five thousand yards without megatron as yep. a receiver that and in detroit golden tate was his go-to receiver that year yep nothing against golden tate but he's not megatron and he he still threw for over five thousand yards the the man easily could throw for 400 yards and throws five picks in the same game but that's not always his doing you know interceptions go on a quarterback stats but there are times that i've seen it happen three interceptions happen and all three of them are should have been caught balls tipped balls whatever you know nothing that they can control the quarterback but it's his stat and and i completely agree with you i think a lot of people especially around here up in michigan know where the problem lies i mean you you can't have a problem as an organization for more than two decades three decades four decades five decades i'm 40 through oh, we'll be 43 this august and i've only seen the lions win one playoff game and i mean there's then, a, and barry sanders was on that team the right <laughs> the the denominator at that point isn't a player it's not a single player it's an entire organization at the very it's very culture top yep and your culture starts at the top yep. like you said you know the, the culture works its way down 
And is it is there any other franchise that could be, <clears throat> excuse me, I think 0-6 at the time, maybe 0-8 at the time, have the lead with three seconds left and then lose on a record-breaking field goal that hits the crossbar and bounces 10 feet in the air and over the crossbar? <laughs> Justin Tucker. And, the, and, and you know yes. what, Sam, I – Again, I have no rooting interest in the Lions, but I sit up here with these Lions fans that you check in with each week. I, you I have to. <laughs> I correct. I can't count how many of those losses that group has. Like everything. Oh. Like somehow the Lions, as uh, re by record, how bad they are. They're always in a game and they lose at the end in some kind of fashion you couldn't even think possible. Yeah, you, you had the the catch rule with Calvin Johnson years ago. You had the mm -hmm. hail mary from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers mm -hmm. years ago. I mean, this stuff is constant with this group. They're they're cursed. <laughs> Maybe they need to change their their helmet to a blue helmet with a silver lion on it. You know, invert it. You know, or something and and hire Theo Epstein. Yeah. Hey, I did see that the Blackhawks are looking at one of, I don't remember who it was. I just saw the tail end of the, of the clicker. The Blackhawks are looking at one of the Cubs executives for one of their executive positions, Fascinating. which is, it's not, per, uh, it, the precedence was set because, uh, John McDonough used to be with the Cubs, uh, front office. And then he was hired to be the GM for the Blackhawks before they started winning championships. So, Maybe the Blackhawks are thinking they're going to do the same thing again. I don't know. I, I think that's a fascinating move. So, um, so the cross sport thing, that's not unprecedented. Yeah, no kidding. Um, well, we've talked some Rams. We've talked some, some Lions somehow <laughs> I, make their way into the Super Bowl. And I haven't <laughs> talked anything about what we do Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> we've talked Blackhawks. Well, before we get to our Super Bowl Sunday, we might as well touch on the Bengals for a moment yeah. because – Boy, this team has been a fun ride to to kind of hitch the wagon to, and that's all the more I'm doing. It's just kind of sitting there and enjoying watching Joe Burrow get sacked nine times against the Titans, Sam. Nine times, and nine he still finds a way times. to win the game. I, I, I just unbelievable what this young man's doing. You know, I, I never the the year that he was on on in the scene on the scene in college football. I didn't hate him, but I was just like, yeah, he's another, you know, LSU quarterback or, you know, SEC quarterback. That's not necessarily going to do much once he hits, you know, there's, there's some of those, uh, all flash, you know, no sizzle or all sizzle, no flash. I don't even know how that's anyways. Um, I just thought maybe he was a flash in the pan and, and was going to have one heck of a year. I mean, Johnny Manziel won the, the Heisman too so I thought you know maybe he was gonna go have some decent years in in Cincinnati um, but the more I hear him speak he's uh <laughs> I really like him I was listening to uh, a radio uh, show and they were talking about Joe Burrow and they said when he was trying to figure out where he was transferring to he went to LSU and coach Ogeron, Orgeron, Orgeron, coach O. <laughs> you had Orgeron, you had it right. Orgeron, okay. I always thought Oregon whenever I saw his name. So <laughs> Orgeron, uh, when asked about him getting Joe Burrow to transfer there, he said, I knew within 10 minutes of the conversation when he visited, within 10 minutes, he was the smartest man or smartest person in the room just by talking to him. 
And uh, the guy said he told Joe Burrow that that story, and Burrow looked at him, winked, and said, "I knew in five. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the kind of guy he is. The swagger he carries with himself is. Uh, really, I, I'm kind of envious of it. Like, I wish I could be that confident about anything in my life as Joe Burrow is in himself. Like, that dude just has it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and maybe this could spark up a debate. Uh, if I pose the 2019 LSU football team with Joe Burrow as the greatest college football team all time, do you have a counter? No. <laughs> I, I, and, Short answer. I mean, what they did in that SEC conference, they picked everybody apart. Mm-hmm. Like, no team had a win margin quite like what they were doing. They scored seven touchdowns in the first half of a playoff game. Right. There I, was, there was, if there was any hope at kickoff for Oklahoma that day, was gone after the first quarter. And now Jamar Chase, who is a big part of that championship team, is, of course, doing it with him in Cincinnati, and they're on their way to the Super Bowl. So it's pretty fascinating. But, Sam, Let's go back to the original question to start the second quarter. Um, any any sprunger traditions with Super Bowl Sunday? Anything's got to be on the trays? Well, not anything necessarily specific, um, but we do an appetizer meal. So, uh, game usually kicks off about six six thirty somewhere in that in that you know it's like six seventeen actually or whatever whatever it is. But uh, so about uh, about you know two we start getting, you know, stuff like meatballs or the little uh, cocktail weenies and barbecue sauce or whatever. Nice. But we have appetizers. And basically it's one of those that we leave it out for the game. And hey, if you're hungry, go grab something. Uh, But we do watch it together. The boys are getting a little older, so we may open it up to where we have, you know, some of their friends or whatever. We have a sunroom where we could actually put a projector up and have a 120 inch screen if we wanted so if we have some people over we could transfer to there but i think uh we just try to make sure we're all together watching it very cool and and you know sam as he mentioned there obviously has children i don't so i can be very selfish with things like Mm -hmm. this like i don't have to think about anybody but me to be quite honest i could run to (laughs) the local fast food place and come back and watch the super bowl your wife Um, doesn't listen to the show does she (laughs) no 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 it's great (laughs) Yeah, sports to her, and that's why Super Bowl Sunday is so interesting because the commercials are more appealing to her than what the actual game is, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay. Um, but nonetheless, we we have decided what we're going to lay out. I, I'm going to try a few new recipes. I like to try and, and cook new things. I'm not mm-hmm. good at it, but I like to try. Um, <laughs> one thing is we're going to do a buffalo chicken blue cheese ranch, or not ranch, but a dip. Ooh. Yeah, like pretty excited about that. Um, I have a pasta salad I do. Um, where you are they in shapes of little footballs? The pasta. Do they make those? Yes. Okay. Uh, step two for Dalton this week: find where I, I can buy those. <laughs> um, typ- typically, I use bow tie noodles. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, you throw some bacon in there. You got a dressing, and then you throw in some avocado, tomatoes. Uh, some red onions, chop them yeah. all up, throw them in pretty good. Um, also I found this recipe. Okay. So I'm going to be honest when the pandemic hit, I became somebody who downloaded TikTok. Um, and at okay. first I wondered what was wrong with me, uh, what this meant for Dalton. Um, 
but I've started to really enjoy it. And I'm really glad I did download it because I'm learning things. I learned a new recipe on there. So, you know, those Kings Hawaiian rolls, right? If you don't, mm-hmm. Sam, we're not friends. Okay. Um, oh, seriously? Come I was going to say, yeah. You've seen my girth. You know that <laughs> I know Kings Hawaiian rolls. Come on. So this, this guy on TikTok took a box of Kings Hawaiian rolls, cut like slices into all of them, and then he jumped in those slices, marinara sauce, mozzarella cheese, and pepperoni, baked it, and it was like little pizza pieces. Pizza sliders. I mean, what a great idea, right? Well, here, here's, here's, you know, two things. You don't need TikTok to learn new recipes. There's this awesome thing called the interweb that if you just put in, you know, something you're thinking ingredients, they'll pull up recipes. I don't, I don't know if you know that or not. I, I do, but you know, I've learned that uh, TikTok keeps my short attention span locked uh, in because there's like some kind of music in the background and, <laughs> and, and bright lights that keep spinning and keeps me locked pictures, in. Pictures. Yes. Yeah. Moving yeah. video. I got gotcha. you. Um, secondly, uh, about four or five Super Bowls ago, I bought some Hawaiian rolls, much like you were talking, opened the tray up, and I took a big bread knife and sliced the tops, sliced them in half, flipped it open, and I put marinara, cheese, and pepperoni on it. So you created this. Put it back on top. No, I saw it on I saw it on a video TikTok. on Facebook. Oh, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> As you're making fun of me, you found it on Facebook too, Sam. Nice. But you put them on there, you just bake them up. Oh, you put a little butter, melted butter and, and like garlic salt or whatever on top. And yeah, it, TikTok said garlic butter, if that's okay with you too, Sam. Well, I just described garlic butter. I don't know if you heard me, but uh, I, I did. I'm, I'm more or less but making I forgot. fun that it was the exact same recipe. I forgot. You don't have the intention, attention span to hear melted butter with <laughs> garlic salt. You have to hear garlic butter. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I am very excited to try that. Uh, real quick, yeah. before we get to halftime, do you have a favorite Super Bowl moment or anything as, as we get ready to kick off yet another? Yeah. Actually, it was, uh, uh, we'll see, it would be uh, 16 years ago. Is oh, my I think favorite. we're the same. I think we're the same. My favorite Super Bowl moment. And yes, the Bears didn't win the Super Bowl, but the best opening to a game ever for Super Bowl wise. Devin Hester, 92 yard kickoff, opening kickoff return for a touchdown. I was literally jumping. And you again, you've seen me. So me jumping is pretty special. <laughs> um, uh, and, and by the way, yeah, as you mentioned, you're a Bears fan, really thought you were going to land on 85 there. Really thought you were going to land there. At that point, I was only six. So while I knew, um, and, and I knew the Bears, I knew they'd won the Super Bowl, but I didn't really understand you know, being 38 when the Cubs win the World Series, that meant a lot more than me watching the Super Bowl at six and watching the Bears win. So um, I think maybe it's the consciousness of knowing uh, the immensity of the moments. Um, plus, I was kind of upset with Coach Dicka, even though they won 46 10 that day, um, because, <laughs> you know, Walter Payton, Walter Payton didn't, didn't score a touchdown. <laughs> yep. and, and I read his book. Uh, well, I read a book about him. It was, it was a little one that kind of 
opened up in and you could see the flaws of even a great person like walter payton but after the game he went into a broom closet and refused to come out to talk wow. to the media and it wasn't because he was being a, a prima donna crybaby about it but he, it really meant something to him and for him to not be able to get to to score a touchdown in a game where they were scoring points you know mm-hmm. um he finally did come out but it was one of those he needed some time to kind of you know recoup because he was obviously on the down down swing of his career he knew that and he knew there probably wasn't going to be another chance so I didn't know that part about it, obviously, but it was like I wanted my favorite player to score a touchdown, and instead William Perry did, you know? Right. Yep. So, so yeah, 06. So we're actually not the same. My math was wrong. When you said 16, I got all excited, but I I meant 14 years ago, the 2008 season. uh, Would that be the onside kick? No, that's a Saints Colts. I'm thinking Giants Patriots. Oh, yes. And Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. I, I mean, look, honestly, I'm way bigger college fan than, than NFL fan. But gosh, did I really despise them. I really despise Brady and the Patriots. And many I don't think times, I was alone. Many times if you're not a fan of them, it's it's kind of like the Yankee syndrome there. A little if bit. You're, if you're not a fan of that team, you hate them. And the giants this underdog goes against a 16 and 0 patriots team 18 and 0 and uh, yeah at that point with the playoff wins yeah <laughs> um and david tyree makes that helmet catch keeps which, him alive which am there was review at that point they'd brought it back i'm shocked they didn't review that play uh-huh. just to make sure that was that was one of the that's probably the most incredible catch I've ever seen. Still, oh, that yeah, was yeah. That although, was something. Although Edelman against the the Falcons when they were making their comeback, where it bounced off somebody's foot, his hands, somebody's foot, and then he still made the catch. He kept it. it I remember that one because I'm like, oh, that hit the ground. No, it didn't. Crap. Yeah. No, that was <laughs> that was a big one too. But the, the Giants upsetting the Patriots in that one, that's got to be my favorite Super Bowl. And it's funny, too. Like, obviously, Tom Brady, somebody with Big Ten ties, played at Michigan. Um, <laughs> it's so funny to me, the six Super Bowls that he won with New England, I absolutely despised the man. And then he goes to Tampa Bay. And, and he, starts, he starts showing his personality. And, damn it, I liked him. Like yeah, he was, you, want, you wonder if that was Belichick. A little bit. I do wonder that. Mm-hmm. And 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 Tom Brady going to Tampa actually swayed my original thought of who, what was the the dynamic between Belichick and Brady, and the percentages of which one was more responsible. I was at probably seventy five Belichick, twenty five Brady. I think I flipped. Yeah. After he went to Tampa and won. Yep. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's uh it's pretty incredible. But yeah, I couldn't believe how much I started to like Tom Brady. I felt yeah, dirty. He has a personality now. Yeah, you 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 took you kind of compared him to the Yankees. Imagine yourself all of a sudden rooting for the Yankees because Rizzo gets traded there. Oh yeah. Jeez. You'd think that would be <laughs> you'd think that would be something, huh? <laughs> but i heard that maybe once the lockout's out he might be coming back to chicago oh there you go there, there's the Cubs on the correct side of the city 
not triple a he's he's done with triple a he doesn't he won't go to the south all right with that let's uh go ahead and hit the halftime break <laughs> oh my you're listening to big 10 plus four hosted on anchor i'm rob i'm nick and i'm joe i love it i think it's kind of man and i've never seen it we're keeping up with the Cardassians. A podcast covering seven seasons of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. But that's not it. We go down the wormhole of pop culture, life, and Garrick. New episodes every Monday. On your favorite podcasting platforms. You can also interact with the show on Twitter at Cardassians Pod. And just like the Ferengi, we can't wait to stroke your lobes. I'm Richie, a.k.a. Midnight Agent Raw. I'm Devin, a.k.a. Special Delivery Dev. We're the Super Media Bros Podcast. And each week, we give a comedically informative take on movies, music, television, pro wrestling, and much more. Check us out at SuperMediaBrosPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. Shades on. We're off. All right, we're going to jump back to college basketball for a little bit here in the third quarter, and uh, we're going to be taking a look more nationally. We've done a lot of Big Ten-focused things uh, since Sam and I have been bringing you the Big Ten Plus Four, but nationally, there's an interesting storyline because one of the the premier college basketball conferences seems to be coming up a little bit more shorthanded than normal, wouldn't you say, Sam? Yeah, and I I saw a, a a picture or, you know, an attachment on a a social media post that had a breakdown of the conferences in the top 25. And would you have ever thought that the West coast conference would have more teams in the top 25 than the ACC? Never. I don't ever think I would have even put that in a realm of possibility. And I think San Francisco's even receiving votes from the WCC. Right. So well, they're looking they, at a third. <laughs> they'd been ranked at some point this year, San Francisco had. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you look at you look at the breakdown, and the Big Ten has five, and they are the our top five that we've given as the main contenders for for the conference championship. And every conference has multiple teams that are contenders, right? Mm-hmm. And when you consider ACC, you know people would argue that's on par or better than the big 10. And so there are four or five contenders, only one's ranked. And that just, to me, just says that it's an extremely down year for the ACC. Well, and you really want to kind of startle yourself if you haven't been watching a ton of ACC basketball this year. Have you looked at the ACC basketball standings? Uh, I saw uh, just a real quick look at it. I know Notre Dame is second and we haven't talked about Notre Dame in ever. I don't think now Notre Dame is tied for first and this is happening before we record the game. Yeah. Yeah. So I I believe if I have it right, Notre Dame's playing Wednesday night. That's obviously uh, after we record this, Mm -hmm. but for Notre Dame, I mean, this is a team that I was kind of following in the beginning They lost to Boston College early in the season, and I said, whoa, boy, Notre Dame. I I don't know how they could even make the tourney. And now all of a sudden they're tied for first place in the ACC conference, which is a (laughs) a big case of how good Notre Dame's turnaround has been, how remarkable it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also an indictment on how 
poor the depth is of the ACC compared to normal years. North Carolina right now is barely a bubble team. Like they're they're almost on the way out. I know, and it, and it, it surprises me because, you know, whoever wins the the regular season doesn't get an automatic bid. And we're talking ACC doesn't get an automatic bid, but if you win the ACC regular season title, you're going to get in the tournament. So if Notre Dame were to happen to win the ACC, it, they could lose in the first round. And I honestly think that they should get in because they won the ACC. It is, but there would be some talk. Well, they didn't win their tournament, so it's not an automatic. They have these losses of Boston College being one, mm-hmm. you know, that make you know turn them out to be bad. But if you win the ACC, shouldn't you get in? Oh, I I think so. And and honestly, I think if Notre Dame finds a way to win the ACC, they're in. I mean, I, I don't I don't. If that means they're going to have to win a lot of these games down the stretch, I mean, it's at that point, it will kind of solve itself. Right. Um, uh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, right. I was just going to say that, you know, or I was going to add to that, you know, I don't remember. So therefore, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we can focus on Notre Dame for just a yeah. small moment. Um, if you haven't had a chance, and I know Notre Dame's kind of located in Big Ten country, so we'll, we'll touch on him for a moment. Um, but Blake Wesley is a freshman that's out of South Bend. He went to South Bend Riley High School. This kid's special. I mean, it, it, turn on the TV, watch Blake Wesley play ball, because we were talking about Jaden Ivey towards the beginning of this, this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blake Wesley is a bit of, you hate to label anybody a poor man's, but he's kind of a poor man's Jaden Ivey. And and he's a legitimate NBA player either this year or next. Yeah, I I don't know him. Uh, Notre Dame, I do. I've always liked Mike Gray though. I've yeah. I, I have always liked him, and um, I kind of Notre Dame doesn't carry the same stigma on basketball as it does in football. So I can actually root for Notre Dame in basketball. <laughs> So I, I may have to pick up some some uh, some more games of them, kind of see what's going on. Blake Wesley is that dude. He's he's got to watch TV. So Duke and Notre Dame at the top, as you mentioned, Duke fell to Virginia earlier this week on a Beekman corner three. Yeah. there at Cameron, that was ridiculous. Yeah, um, North Carolina struggling right now to make the tourney. Um, Miami's put together quite the year, eight and four right now in ACC play as we record this. Um, but Larinaga has taken a, a roster and a team that wasn't expected to do as much and really uh, taken them up towards the top. Florida State struggling a little bit in the ACC, six and six, and and Leonard Hamilton and that group was expected to do a little bit more, I believe, when ACC play started. Uh, Virginia hanging around nine and five in conference action. So those are the the teams that aren't in the top twenty five that are are still around. But nonetheless, a lot of these teams. I'm 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 curious how many even make the tourney, mm-hmm. not just the AP top twenty five. I'll check mm-hmm. the la- latest bracketology to see what we're looking at here with them. But yeah, this is this is kind of dire for, by ACC standards. Well, and I'm looking at, at the uh, the teams the fifteen teams that received votes but didn't make it into the poll right now. Let's see. There's, uh, there's, let's see, uh, Loyola, Wyoming, then Arkansas. I think they'll obviously be in the, the top 25 after last night beat or after Tuesday beating uh, Auburn. Then you have, Which, by the way, 
greatest yeah, courts greatest court storm of all time I oh believe. isn't it under a guy that was dunking the ball to put it, the explanation exclamation point on and immediately the facility starts strobing the lights yes. flicking them on and <laughs> off as the clock hit zero there was mm-hmm. fireworks coming out of the back of the basket no that was that was the greatest walk-off in college basketball history <laughs> i wouldn't disagree uh you have iowa state davidson ohio then you have notre dame you have iowa indiana boise state alabama lsu oregon wake forest and san francisco so there are two acc teams receiving votes on top of duke who is ranked and if we take a look at what well, let's go to joe lenardi was uh yeah. his bracketology yeah. um obviously duke looks like they're in um it, well, not just looks like they're in. They're they're I really. Say, I think they see. could lose out, and they'd probably still make it to the tournament in some just, capacity. Just about, yeah. They're really <laughs> playing for seeds, and they, right, right now they're they're a two seed in in Lenardi's bracketology. Um, but Lenardi's got only five ACC teams making the Big Dance. Uh, one Ooh, of the which last, ones? Well, so I I don't know who the, I'm not sure who one of the teams is. Um, because it's it's somewhere in the middle of the field, and quite frankly, I haven't watched enough ACC basketball to right. know the resumes. Um, but Duke is obviously up there. Last four in, one of those teams is North Carolina. Out of the wow. last four buys, you have Miami and Notre Dame. So Notre Dame, who's tied for first in the ACC standings, is currently barely on the positive side of the bubble. And And when you say the first or the last buys for those of you that don't know that's anybody that makes it into the tournament that is in the traditional first round those playing games are now the opening round correct yep and then every what is it 64 teams get a buy (laughs) uh 60 hang on now um not 64 60 i think 60 yeah, 60. Get a buy. No, it'd be uh, 58, wouldn't it? Well, you got- oh, no, no, no. That's 64 teams. Good Lord, it's early. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> yeah, 60 ma- get a buy. Our, our math came around finally. Um, yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, <laughs> I mean, Lenardi's got five ACC teams, and three of them are squarely on the bubble right now. I mean, that mm-hmm. is that is startling for that conference and how good it is. Meanwhile, you have the Big 12 and Big 10 that both are projected to get seven in. The SEC is supposed to get seven in this year, and, and they've got a couple on the bubble that might be able to help tilt that even further. And Big East has six. There's one that you don't you don't hear about because they're not a a power five, but the Big East, they've 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 added, they've come back to being another of the basketball conferences you know yep. i would say that the it, maybe it's a power six in uh in basketball because the big east is not a football conference obviously and uh yeah they're always putting teams in and this year much the same as they normally do yeah providence is up there as a team that's really done some damage in, in college mm-hmm. basketball this year marquette villanova uh, the, the big UConn. east is yes uconn too I, and, and the big east is a legit legit conference this season but that's kind of the the national basketball picture as we sit today uh with joe lenardi's bracketology so real quick before we close out the third quarter and move to the fourth sam besides obviously purdue and where you sit 
Uh, who else do you like as a national championship contender when you when you look at the landscape? Um, I'm I'm gonna say one of or you know obviously I think Purdue especially especially if they go in Saturday and into Michigan and, and beat Michigan. Michigan's not what they were expected to be this year, but they're going to they're getting better. They're playing better. They're they're turning around and uh, a little bit more. They're still struggling points, but uh, if they win Saturday, I think to me and it's because I watch a ton of them. They've got to be, if not the one of the top two contenders or picks, but I think Gonzaga is, is it Gonzaga or Zaga? Gonzaga. Okay. The Zags is appropriate. Okay. And, and I I would throw Auburn in there. Throw Auburn in there. Okay. Interesting. See, and, and I got uh, Gonzaga as well. And I, I guess for me, maybe they're my my number one right now. They're my one mm-hmm. A, um, simply because I believe Chet Holmgren is a cheat code. If you watch him play, he's a seven footer who plays like Kevin Durant. I it, the the dude is it's it's not fair what he's mm-hmm. able to do at his size. Um, and then you circle around him, Drew Timmy, Andrew Nimhard, and a bunch of these other experienced players. Gonzaga always seems to have experience, which is just in today's day and age, kind of startling. It's unfair. Um, yeah, but I, <laughs> I, it's kind of a boring pick because I know they're in the mix the last few years, but I think they're a legitimate and, and probably my favorite as of today, early February to win the whole thing. I wouldn't argue uh, at this point. Like I said, there's still a lot of basketball that I could, yep. I could see a couple of teams uh, maybe overtaking that. Uh, I would have said Baylor a week ago. Yeah, they've got some consistency issues. Now, they've been missing players during a lot of their losses, but nonetheless, they've got consistency issues. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, <laughs> everybody runs into those. It's how you how you adjust to those, you know. Yep. And uh, I, I just – I would have said them last week, but I don't know, getting, you know, demolished by Kansas – just it didn't didn't sit well and i do think kansas could be a potential national yeah. championship contender but i wouldn't I, I hear say they're saying. in my top three though okay good enough yeah. good enough all right well four fingers up sam let's head to the fourth quarter that's right all right this is the part of the show where we bring you our headlines something that stands out to each of us and we'll start off with the sam sentinel what's on the headlines well, there's a, a, a couple of things, and I, I was trying to figure out which one, and I went with the one that went with the, the, the show premise, uh, Big Ten Plus Four. And uh, this week, uh, actually on Saturday, Purdue beat Michigan by six at, uh, at Mackey Arena, and they became only the second team in the history of college basketball to win 1,000 major college conference or major conference wins uh only second to kentucky and you you hear a lot of the 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 jokes that you know once it hits march they're per don't or you know they just they always choke it at, at, at march and we've talked about it in in past shows that uh in college basketball while march is great and you want to make that run in march What's more important is winning your conference and Purdue 
many people, well, if you've listened to the show, which you should have uh, listened to the show, um, they have the most Big Ten titles in the history of the Big Ten. And that kind of lends to this, that they know how to win in their conference. They have also done a ton without or with, with smaller amounts. There are always better teams, it seems, always. This is the first year in my life, I think, that I actually, short of Glenn Robinson's junior year, this is the only time I've seen nationally people talking about Purdue being a national title contender. So 1,000 wins in in, in conference. That's huge because that lends to a real long tradition to where Purdue is an elite Big Ten team. No matter which way you cut it, it doesn't matter national titles. It doesn't matter how many players they put in the NBA to become stars. It's simply they know how to win with little or with less. And Matt Painter that same day won his 400th uh, game as, as a coach. He won 25 at, uh, at Southern Illinois, and then this was his 375th win at Purdue. And that just shows, and Gene Katie, obviously huge in that prior to that. So it shows that they've, you know, they know how to win ball games as the ones that matter. So that's the same Sentinel go boilers. Agreed too. well said. I mean, it's, it's pretty remarkable what Purdue's done Um, for the Dalton daily. We tease this towards the top of the broadcast. Yeah. Uh, Sam had talked about the Big Ten's influence in the Super Bowl, and I thought, you know what, for the Dalton Daily, let's just make this a a community service this week, okay? And uh, what we're going to do is I've went through the Bengals and Rams rosters, and I have everybody who is Big Ten uh, from a Big Ten team um, marked down. So we'll go through each Big Ten school and what players you have in the Super Bowl and what team they're playing for. That way you kind of know who you're rooting for if you have no other rooting interest. So we'll start off with, we'll go alphabetical order. Illinois. Sorry, Illini. You don't have anybody in the Super Bowl (laughs) this year. Uh, Indiana. Sorry, I, you know, Hoosiers in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Iowa. You have Jake Gervais uh, for playing for the Rams and you have AJ Jackson playing for the Rams. Uh, Also on the injury list, Riley Reef is playing for the Bengals for the Hawkeyes. Moving from there, Maryland. You have Keandre Jones playing for the Bengals, and you have Jake Funk playing for the Rams. For Michigan. Unfortunate name. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, For Michigan, you have Chris Evans playing for the Bengals, and you have David Long Jr. playing for the Rams. Uh, For Michigan State, the Spartans out there. Trey Waynes playing for the Bengals. Brian Allen playing for the Rams. Also on the injured list is Joe Bocci for the Bengals. Uh, Nebraska, Stanley Morgan is suiting up for Cincinnati. Isn't that an investment investment firm? It could be. (laughs) See, as as, like deranged sports-wise as my head is, I instantly think of Nebraska wide receiver, but I'm sure most people do picture (laughs) a law firm. That's absolutely a great point. Um, We get to the Buckeyes. Ohio State has Eli Apple playing for Cincinnati, Isaiah Prince for the Bengals, Von Bell for the Bengals, Sam Hubbard for the Bengals. Uh, so pretty big Cincinnati interest there. Um, yes. But Jordan Jordan Fuller's on the injured list. He plays for the Rams. Moving from there, Penn it's State. It's almost like Cincinnati's in Ohio. Yeah, yeah kind of. It's weird how that all ties together. Hey, Joe Burrow was an Ohio State Buckeye at one You're point. You're correct. Transferring out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't think that's why they drafted him because he used to be a Buckeye though. I think you're right. (laughs) Penn state has Grant Haley playing for the Rams and also Nick Scott playing for the Rams. Purdue has Marcus Bailey for the Bengals, Ricardo Allen for the Bengals, Bryson Hopkins for the Rams. Uh, Rutgers, Clark Harris for Cincinnati. And on the injured list is Sebastian Joseph Day playing for the Rams. And we're now towards the finish line. Wisconsin, two guys, David Edwards and Rob Havenstein, both playing for the Rams. So there's your list. So I misspoke earlier. This year isn't the year that there was no Purdue alum. Correct. It it was, it's 33 of the last 34. I knew, I do know that, but I thought it was this year. That's pretty good for that Purdue program for the last yeah especially when they have been a dumpster fire after (laughs) Joe Tiller left until Jeff Brom got here yeah that was uh some dark days in West Lafayette but hey (sighs) three Boilermakers in the Super Bowl this year yeah yeah we'll take it we'll take it but but it shows that that there's a lot of talent even in the Big Ten when the Big Ten's looked at as maybe a not uh at the top of the power five football conferences i think you're absolutely right okay well that kind of sends us towards the door for this big 10 plus four edition sam you gotta let the people know where can they find us well there are a few ways you can find us all you know in social media twitter uh, at big 10 plus so the number 10 the word plus the number four so big 10 plus four uh, find us on twitter we're pretty active normally <laughs> but uh, we're also on Facebook. Just look up 10, Big Ten Plus Four. Uh, you can also find us since we're part of the Odd Pod or of Odd Pods Media. You can find us in how to get to our our page or our show by going to oddpodsmedia.com and uh, explore shows, and we're we're there. And you should certainly check us out. We come back each week with a new edition. Uh, bring you a Midwest perspective on college sports. So that'll do it from us here at Big Ten Plus Four. That's Sam Sprugger. I'm Dalton Shetler. Make sure you join us next week. We'll talk to you then. See you later. <laughs>